Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner. I could hardly wait to get into this chair so we can begin today's program. Today we're going to find out God does not choose people by accident. If God has chosen someone, he's seen something in that individual that he believes makes them ready to be used. What about you? Are you one that's ready to be used by God? Well, today you're going to find out there's one very serious test we all have to pass before God promotes us to the next level in our life. So don't miss this program. But hey, remember that we're here to pray for you. Give us a call or send us your email. We really are praying people. And the moment we hear from you, we're going to release our faith and belief for Jesus just to step into your life and do something spectacular. And he will because he promises us in Jeremiah 33, 3, that if we'll call out to him in faith, he'll answer us and he'll show us great and mighty things. And we're waiting to call out to him in faith for you and with you, but we need to hear from you. So ring our phone right now or send us your email, or send us a letter, and we'll begin to pray with you. But I'm offering you my brand new series called The Point of No Return, Tackling Your Next New Assignment with Courage and Common Sense. It's 10 parts. It comes with a great study guide. And we're also offering you right now my book by the same title, The Point of No Return. The back of the book says, Adventure Beyond Anything You've Ever Imagined Awaits You. You know, when I was young, I had no idea what kind of a life adventure was in front of me. Ah, how terrible it would have been if I had not been willing to say yes. But because I said yes, Denise and I, our sons, our grandsons, our ministry, what an adventure we've had. In fact, you can read all of it in our autobiography called Unlikely. It's all so unlikely. But my friends, an adventure is waiting for you. God's just waiting for you to step up to the plate and say amen. He'll call you beyond the point of no return and you will step into your own adventure. Hey, at the end of the program... My announcer will tell you how you can get all of these things and more, but I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. My friend, reach for your Bible. We always use the Bible in this program because we believe in the power of the Word of God. That's why I end every program with Ecclesiastes 8.4, which says, where the word of a king is, there's power. If you'll read the Bible, believe the Bible, obey the Bible, it will release God's power in your life. But open your Bible to Joshua chapter 1, and let's begin again in verse 1 and verse 2. It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. Notice those two words, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan thou and all this people. And in this moment, Joshua steps into the spotlight. How does God choose people to do something significant? Does he just put a whole bunch of names into a brown paper sack and shake it all up and reach in and just pull out like it's a lottery and say, "Mm, I guess I'll use this one. Is that the way that God chooses people? No, my friends. God is very logical in the way that he chooses people. And he doesn't choose anybody for a bigger assignment until they've passed the test at their present 
assignment. God does not choose people by accident. And today I'm going to be teaching you from my book, which is called The Point of No Return. And I'm going to begin on page 61. Listen to this. Here we find a tremendous key that reveals why God chose Joshua. Joshua was Moses' minister. Well, what does that mean? Well, other translations have rendered the word minister as associate, assistant, disciple, or servant. And actually, any of those words would have described Joshua's position as he served Moses. And by referring to Joshua as Moses' minister, listen to this, this reveals that Joshua wasn't, he wasn't an unknown, mysterious figure when God chose him to replace Moses. God didn't just stick his hand into a sack and pull out a name and say, I guess I'll use this one. He knew a lot about Joshua because God had been watching Joshua for 40 years. And my friends, for 40 years, Joshua had been in a test. Joshua had been around a long time and he had a proven track record. For decades, he faithfully served as Moses' associate, Moses' assistant, Moses' disciple, and Moses' servant. And listen to this, during Joshua's time as an associate, he'd probably done many menial and unnoticed tasks, and occasionally he may have even felt abused and used by Moses. Moses was a busy man. He had a lot of responsibilities. Like most associates or assistants of strong leaders, Joshua probably did a lot of dirty work and received very little glory, but that wasn't necessarily a bad thing because periods of serving are testing grounds that prove whether or not an associate has the strength of character to be a leader himself. <laughs> I understand because I have been in that kind of a position. I served a very strong pastor who asked me to do all kinds of menial things. And I remember thinking to myself, how could you ask somebody as anointed as me to wash your car, vacuum your carpet, polish your shoes when I have such a great anointing? But my friends, that was very good for me. It was good for me. And God was watching my heart and my response. Let me tell you, if you think it's difficult to serve a man, what do you think it's like to serve God? You think your leaders asked you to do difficult things? Wait until God tells you to crucify your flesh and do what you don't want to do, and he will expect you to say, yes, sir. If you can't pass the test with a man, then you can never pass the test with God. Listen, when you serve in a subordinate position, you'll usually have to wrestle with fleshly feelings of being neglected or unappreciated. Yet God will use this internal wrestling match to expose right and wrong motives in your own heart, and he'll find out while you're really serving. And one of the most important things for any person that is in a subordinate position is to discover the condition of his own heart. Mm. Those who work under strong leaders can find it very difficult at times. I understand that. I had to do that. And by the way, I am a strong leader. But the Holy Spirit will help them through their challenges by encouraging and teaching them how to develop faithfulness in their lives. Submitting to authority is always a big test, and it's an especially vital one for anyone that's going to have a great future. A person serving under a leader may be tempted to think from time to time that he has been asked to do something that is 
beneath him. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever thought, how in the world can you ask me to do something so menial? Perhaps he even thinks the task at hand is too basic and menial for someone as greatly anointed, talented, or as intelligent as he is. If so, that person needs to remind himself that those thoughts are just the complaints of flesh and he needs to tell his flesh to shut up. It is a privilege to serve a great leader. It is a privilege. But sometimes it's a double-edged sword. But God is looking for people that are faithful. Faithful. What do I mean by faithful? The word faithful describes somebody that is strong, somebody that is stable, somebody that is reliable, somebody that you can depend upon. And Joshua, Joshua is a prime Old Testament example of an individual who consistently proved himself to be faithful. Throughout all the adversity and challenges faced together with Moses, Joshua stayed in his place at his leader's side, assisting and serving Moses and the people of Israel for many, many years. And let me tell you, Joshua had many opportunities to bail out, but he didn't do it. He stayed where God asked him to be. And God was watching all of that. God saw every time that Joshua had to push through his feelings, every time he had to deal with his flesh, when he had to put his pride aside, when he was dealing with his attitude and doing menial things that he didn't want to do, but yet he learned to do it with joy. God was watching all of that. He was looking for someone that was faithful. And it's very possible that God had his eye on several candidates at that time. But you know, it's interesting that when you come to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Timothy was needing to choose leaders. And Paul told him to choose faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. It implies they didn't have that ability at that moment. They didn't have a teaching ability, but they were faithful. Well, faithful is very important. Paul did not tell Timothy to look for capable men or intelligent men. He didn't even say to look for anointed men. He said, look for faithful men. When you have somebody that is faithful, then you can put everything in them that they need to do a future job. Wow. And the Bible tells us that Moses' trust of Joshua grew stronger and stronger and stronger over their years of association. And in fact, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9 says this. Listen, and Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses laid his hands on him. Now, when we read that Moses laid his hands on him, obviously there was an official moment when Moses laid his hands on him and conferred the anointing and the mantle of leadership to him. But friends, I want to tell you something else. When you really serve a leader, that leader will have his hands all over your life. I remember when I was a younger man, and Denise and I had just gotten married, and I was serving in a big Baptist church. And what a privilege it was to be in that big Baptist church. I was just a young man. I graduated from the university, had studied Greek and journalism and all kinds of things. And to be honest, I knew I was really, really smart. <laughs> well, when you're young, and you know you're smart, and you know you're gifted, that can really be a strike against you. And God was so smart to put me under a really strong man in a great big Baptist church. 
that man had his hands all over my life. <laughs> Sometimes I did not appreciate it. He required me to meet him every morning at 5.30. And I had just gotten married. I didn't want to be with him at 5.30. I wanted to be with Denise. And if I walked into that restaurant one minute late, he was looking at his watch as I walked down the aisle toward his table. And when I sat down, I knew I was going to get reamed out for being undisciplined. <laughs> he would say, what kind of man are you? You say you want to be anointed, but you can't even show up on time. He would ream me out. And I remember thinking to myself, excuse me, I just got married. I'm here at 530 in the morning. But you know, God was using that man to speak into my life. He got involved in our finances. He wanted to know where we were spending our money. When we spent our money wrong, he rebuked me. He made me teach what he wanted me to teach. I remember thinking, how can you tell me what to preach? I know the voice of the Holy Spirit. I remember when he told me to teach the book of Romans verse by verse, and I didn't want to do it, but he required me to do it. That man had his hands all over my life and asked me to do so many menial things. At that particular moment, my part of the church ministry was growing amazingly. In fact, it was the fastest part of growing part of the church. It was the single adult division. We had hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of single adults. It was amazing what was happening. Even the Southern Baptist Convention asked me to write a major article in a national magazine about how to have a prosperous single adult ministry. Sunday school numbers were up, and I knew it was because of my department. And you know what? I just felt like I deserved a little glory. I deserved a little appreciation. And he would say to me, you know, Rick, God is using you in such a great way. But you know, I was looking at my shoes and they're kind of scuffed up. I need to take my shoes over to the shoe shop and have them shine. You can drive my car. And hey, while you're out with my car, I would really appreciate it if you'd wash my car, buff my car, and vacuum the interior so it's really pristine. I would take his keys, I would take his shoes, head over to the shoe shop thinking, okay, that's his response to what I'm doing. What an ingrate. <laughs> I wish he could just show a little appreciation. His church is having rave reviews of Sunday school growth. It's because of me, and he's asking me to take care of his shoes wash his car, buff his car, vacuum his car. And then he would say in the fall, you know, there's a lot of leaves in my yard. Oh, his yard was huge. <laughs> it had so many oak trees. He would say, you know, I need somebody to rake the leaves over at my house. Would you please go over to my house and rake all those leaves? And I would rake those leaves thinking to myself, this is how he shows appreciation, but God was using that man to deal with pride and arrogance in my life. It was the hand of God. God was also using that man to put a lot of good things in me. He was teaching me how to study. He was teaching me how to be disciplined. He and his wife would have us to their home every Sunday for lunch. They loved us. They loved us. They loved us. He let me travel with him. I carried his books. So there were glorious moments and there were really menial moments that I despise. But here's what I've learned. When God is putting something in you, he's usually also weeding 
something out of you. Let me say that again. When God is putting something in you, he's usually also weeding something out of you. Well, what do you think it would have been like to work for Moses? Hmm. Have you ever thought about that? What would it be like to work for Moses? Serving under a mighty man of God is a two-edged sword. And when Joshua was near Moses, what a privilege it was. In fact, people who saw Joshua probably thought, wow, what would it be like to be Moses' associate? What a privilege to be Moses' companion, to be Moses' servant. And in that very up-close position, Joshua really saw the anointing. He saw the power of God. He saw the glory of God. But on the other hand, he probably saw a few things he didn't appreciate. He may not have appreciated all of Moses' demands. And Moses was a very, very strong man. You have to remember, this was the man who called down plagues from heaven and crippled the Egyptian empire. This was a man so anointed that when he stood in front of the Red Sea, God parted the Red Sea when he held the rod up. That's quite a man. This is the man, the only man who had seen God, the only man who had been on the holy mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. This was God's man. And not only that, Moses had pride. Moses wrote about himself. Now, Moses was the humblest person that ever lived. How prideful would you have to be to write that you were the humblest person that ever lived? And we know that Moses had quite a temper tantrum because when God told him to speak to the rock, and he did, and the water didn't come out, he got mad. He threw a temper tantrum with God and took his stick and struck the rock twice, almost in defiance, Almost the same as saying, hey, God, this is Moses. I'm not going to sit around and wait for this water. He struck that rock. And his temper tantrum is what kept him from going into the land of promise. Now, what do you think it would be like to serve a man like that? Joshua had been in Moses' tent. How would you correct a man like Moses who had seen it all and truly knew it all? Moses could literally say, excuse me. Did you call plagues down on Egypt? Excuse me. Did you part the Red Sea? Excuse me. Did you see God? Excuse me. Did you receive the Ten Commandments? It would be very hard to even offer a suggestion to somebody like that. And if he struck the rock twice because he was tired of waiting on God, I wonder how Moses behaved when he asked for a glass of water and he didn't get it quick enough. Where is that water that I requested? And Joshua saw things in his leader that no one else saw because they happened under the flap of a tent. Joshua could have written a book called The Secret Life of Moses. It wasn't that Moses was bad. It's just that he is a human being. God uses human beings. But many people that serve another leader become offended by their humanity, by their flaws, and they bail out and they cease to be faithful. But Joshua was faithful. He didn't write that best-selling book called The Secret Life of Moses. Can you imagine how the children of Israel would have bought that? They would have bought it by the millions because they were a people very hard to handle. They loved gossip. They loved trouble. He could have had a best-selling book, 
But Joshua kept his lips sealed. And for 40 years, he served Moses faithfully in good situations, in bad situations. He kept his mouth shut. He did not tell about any of the imperfections that he saw. And guess what, my friend? God was watching from the beginning to the very end. And when Moses died, the spotlight shifted to Joshua because God saw, if Joshua can be faithful to this man, faithfully serving at his side for 40 years through good times and bad times, then this is a man that I know will be faithful to me. And it's very important for you to understand. God does not choose people for big assignments by accident. He's watching you to see if you've already proven faithfulness in your life. And if you've proven yourself faithful, then he'll tap you on the shoulders for the point of no return to step into your future. Hey, this has been great, but we're just getting started. We'll come back tomorrow. We're going to pick up right here. But right now, my announcer is going to tell you about what we're offering you today, a lot of wonderful things. And then I want to come back and I want to pray for you. Many people know what they're supposed to do, but at times the path to get there is like crossing the raging waters of the Jordan River at flood stage. They just don't know how to get from where they are to where they need to be. In this series, The Point of No Return, Rick takes us into the life of Joshua to learn how he stepped across the Jordan into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And God has a fabulous future waiting for you too. But to get there, you must make a decision to pass the point of no return. In this insightful 10-part series, you'll learn God is waiting for you to take the big leap into your promised land. God doesn't choose people by accident. What to do if your assignment seems impossible? How to understand your boundaries and perimeters? The five primary reasons people fail. This faith-filled series is available in digital or physical format, starting at just $20. We're also offering the accompanying book, The Point of No Return, for $15. In his classic and updated message, Rick presents a clear, no-nonsense approach to help you prepare for and carry out each new assignment God gives you in pursuit of His purpose for your life. Don't miss these exciting offers, the series, The Point of No Return, and the companion book, The Point of No Return. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. In many cases, Christmas has become the battleground in the ongoing culture war. Christmas has become happy holidays. And even the word Christmas has been canceled. In Rick Renner's timeless new book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, Rick reminds us of the true reason for the season, the birth of Jesus. Through its detailed watercolor illustration, Christmas, The Rest of the Story invites you to explore the Christmas story as you interact with the story across nearly 300 decorated pages. With Rick's scholarly insight on the familiar story, you'll get a fresh, deep, and new understanding of the nativity story and the powerful message of the Gospels. The Christmas story is the most important story ever told. It is just miraculous. And with this wonderful, fully illustrated book, you will learn so much and you'll want to share it with others. When you call or go online right now to pre-order this book for just $35, you will receive the eternal story of Christmas, now beautifully told in this timeless keepsake. Bound in a landmark large format book, you can emphasize the true meaning of Christmas to your friends and family. This sweeping portrait of the Christmas story takes readers on an illuminating journey into that first holy night, 
and ultimately the redemption story of God's love. Great as a gift or enhancing your own traditions. Pre-order the book today, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, for just $35. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Don't miss this special Christmas offer. Get your copy today. This is Rick Renner and my friends right now, we're in the very middle of our ministry expansion project. It's three phases. Phase one was building the new studio in Moscow. You helped us do that. Thank you. Phase two was finishing the interior of the studio. You helped us do that. Thank you. Now we're in phase three, which is retiring the debt on the ministry headquarters in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our ministry has never had debt. The reason we've been able to do what we've done is because we've never had to service debt. When we built our building in Riga, we did it cash. When we built the building in Moscow, it is amazing that we were able to do it with cash. And now we want to retire the debt on the Tulsa headquarters building so we can liberate all that money to really take the teaching of the Bible around the world. You know, it's never about buildings. It's about having an anchor where the Word of God can go forth. And in that Tulsa facility, we're taking calls from people who are literally calling us from all over the world. And from that facility, we're producing TV programs, social media, we're fulfilling orders for books and giving away thousands and thousands of different resources to people who are reaching out to us because they believe that we provide teaching they can trust. And it's very important that we retire that debt as quick as possible because it will liberate funds for the preaching of the word to the ends of the earth. And that is what we're called to do. And today I want to ask you to please continue to be a part of our giving team so we can retire the debt on the Tulsa building and then we'll be finished with the ministry expansion project. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for becoming a part of the giving team. I am so glad you've been with me today. Look at how much material we've covered today. <laughs> I just barely got into my subject, but we're going to come back tomorrow and pick up right here. Don't miss tomorrow's program. It's going to be so wonderful. But please remember that if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. Call us right now or send us an email. And remember that right now we're offering you my series, which is called The Point of No return. God wants you to pass the point of no return, and he wants you to tackle your next new assignment with courage and common sense. It's 10 parts, and it comes with a great study guide. And right now we're offering you my book by the same title, and the back of the book says, Adventure Beyond Anything You've Ever Imagined Awaits You. But you've got to pass the test so you can begin the adventure, and God wants you to pass the test. Say amen. And when you become a partner with our ministry, anyone who regularly supports our ministry financially, that's a partner. That's a partner. They're really partners because they're helping us take this teaching to people all over the world. And oh, I would love for you to become a part of our partner family. And the moment you do, we're going to send you two books 
as our way of saying welcome to the family, and it really is a family. One book is called Life in the Combat Zone. The subtitle says, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of Difficult Situations. This is dedicated to partners. The second book is The Gift of Forgiveness by Denise. It's really a powerful book, and we always give these two books to anyone who joins our partner family. But Father, we thank you that you want us to pass the test. You're watching us. And Holy Spirit, you ask, we ask you to give us what we need, the endurance we need, the tenacity we need to be faithful where you have called us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, remember, Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there really is power. <laughs>